This is the Amner Martinez Podcast. Welcome to the Amner Martinez Podcast. My name is Amner Martinez, and I will be your host. I am an immigrant from the country of Guatemala, and I've been living in Iowa since 1995. My professional background is in the staffing and recruiting industry, and I have been heavily involved in the local entertainment scene for the last 12 years. In this podcast, I will be sharing conversations with local people in entertainment, business, sports, nonprofits, food, arts, and culture. So stick around for some great conversations. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Kenji here. Amner Martinez here. Welcome to the uh, podcast. We've been gone for a little bit, but here we are coming back with a bang. I talked to Mike Woods, the coolest cat in Des Moines. Mike Woods, he's a drummer, local musician. He plays on a bunch of different bands here in Des Moines. And uh, we talked about uh, a lot of things. We, um, uh, you know, we got really personal. Um, he grew up in the south side of Chicago. Um, he talked to us about, uh, you know, growing up in the church, how he learned, the, you know, music and his family um, is uh, full of musicians. He's a self-taught drummer. I suck at this. I'm losing. One. You're losing one. I'm losing. I was in the, I was in the, like a little bit of a momentum and then I haven't done it in a month. So now I feel like an asshole again. Uh, so you're complaining again. Okay, so so That's a lot of complaining. We talked about <laughs> so we talked about the heart and soul of music. Um, he he's actually a teacher. He teaches drums at Riemann Music. Nice. He's got about fifty students, and uh, he, you know we talked about his style, how he likes to teach his kids, and then then we went deep into the music. Uh, we talked about John Coltrane, Aretha Franklin, James Brown, George Clinton, Kanye West. We talked about Kanye, you know, when Kanye said that he sees colors. I don't know anything about it. Okay. It's it's pretty cool. But we went, we talked about that. We talked about the Rolling Stones, uh, Chuck Berry, Soul Music, James Brown, so the all origination. The, all the of shit that I like. Man, we we went deep into, into the music. We also talked about uh, race in the music industry. And, um, you know, there was pretty... Uh, heartfelt moment there you know we talked about the moment that he decided to be a full-time musician yeah it was it's a pretty intimate if you know mike you're gonna know him further after this like he it was a really personal we talked about gun violence i mean growing up in the south side of chicago um it's one of the most dangerous um cities in the united states so so i also wanted to add that there we, we went deep into like racism race how people feel you know so there's some um you know we threw some statistics and i'm going to at the end of the podcast correct if i had any miscorrections uh or name my sources so then i'm not just fucking being an idiot throwing numbers or statistics or anything like that out there so at the end of the podcast um so during during the interview you talk out of your ass <laughs> and then and then like you look it up afterwards and then correct no, the record. Yeah. Correct the record afterwards. But I wasn't incorrect. Edit. I wasn't incorrect. I'm just I'm just gonna uh we're gonna throw in the sources. 
Sounds good. All, All right. right. Let's hear it. All right. So hopefully everybody enjoys it. This is Mike Woods, episode seven of the Amner Martinez podcast. Testing one, two, one, two. Yep. Quest yep, yep. love in the house. <laughs> Do you have a nickname? No. No? <laughs> it's not Quest though. No, it's showing the hell ain't Quest. I ain't got Quest love money. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Shit. I wish. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd be pulling up here in a Bentley instead of a Nissan. So you do get a little bit of that? <laughs> yeah, I do. A lot, actually, man. A lot of people say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I you know good why. with it? I mean, uh, am I good with it? Hell no, I'm not good with it. I'm Mike Woods, baby. Hell no. <laughs> no, it's actually a compliment, man. But it's just because I'm black and I look like Quest. I'm fat. You think so? Yeah. I, I don't know. know. I might play pocket like Quest I think a little the bit. Drum, it's, the drums got and, to And I play way. drums. So, Michael Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're a drummer. You're a musician. Is there is there like a category where you put yourself in? Uh, Not a category that I put myself in. You know, I try to strive to be great at everything that I do okay. as a drummer. Um, I try to play different styles. I would if I did put myself in a category though I would say I was a funk musician or a gospel musician. Okay. Um, because that's what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, I started learning more about jazz, R and B, rock music, things of that nature. You know. Okay. Started learning those different styles, and then I had to like, okay, now you're a musician instead of just a drummer. Yeah. You know, learn a little bit about harmonies and pianos and stuff like that. So that you can become a musician. So it all started at, at church? All started at church. Uh, my mom was a um, choir director. My dad's a bass player. Okay. I'm the youngest of seven. Okay. Everybody plays something. I got triplet sisters. We had a family oh, group. <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> it was crazy, man. You know, uh, and then at church, it was, you know, we had like this competition going. So you had seven drummers in the church. My brother was the organ player at the church, and my mom was the choir director, dad, the bass player. So, oh, if so you, you guys were like running, yeah. Well, if, if it wasn't really like that, they could have cared less if you were if you were not good. They would tell you to get off the drums. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so we had seven other drummers sitting behind us while we we're playing a church service. So if you're messing up or getting off time or anything like that. They'll tell you, "Hey, get up and put the other drummer on." <laughs> really? Oh, in the middle it's of service, gotta sound right. It's got to sound right. You know, they were strict about the music, yeah, you yeah. know, and that's the beautiful thing about it is because when you have that type of competition, that forces you to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was practicing eight hours a day just to keep my seat. So from day one, your expectations to, of yourself were? Yeah, well, when I started, I started when I was about seven, and I had a cousin that taught me. Okay. So um, my cousin, he was a bass player and a um, drummer. And he, he, he was the church drummer at that time. So when I, he was my same age, actually. Okay. <laughs> so okay. we're the same age. So we, you know, just clicked. Okay. So he started before I did. I started at seven. He started at like four. I really didn't start getting into playing until, or playing full drum set until about nine. And he was showing me everything he knew at that time, mm-hmm. which he was, a, he still is an amazing drummer. You know, I still learn so much from him. Yeah. Um, but he taught me a ton of stuff, especially about learning how to hear music, okay. not just play it, but hear it. You know, yeah. like if I can hear the change coming, then I know. Then I know where the music is going. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ever you, you ever been to a black service before? I think I did once. One time. Yeah, one yeah, time. Yeah, like, <laughs> like 
12, 13 years ago. It's a very dramatic service, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's very dramatic, you know? Memorable. Right. So if, if it's like, okay, if you learn how to control the service with dynamics and stuff like that, and that comes from the music. The dynamics in the service comes from your music. Mm-hmm. So it comes from the organ player, the drummer, uh, the preacher, mm-hmm. even when he's up there singing a song. Um, but you have to be watchful and be able to hear everything that's going on in the service. Okay. So it's like... So is it like free, like almost like a freestyle kind of approach? Pretty to much. It? It's, it's totally freestyle. So it's all about what's going on, what can I hear, or... Did the preacher say go up, or is he? Uh, okay, you know okay, what I mean, okay. or <laughs> yeah, yeah, or can you hear the change coming? And you just so you can't just like be looking around because something can come up where you have to kind of jump in right immediately. Like the crowd can be rising, or mm-hmm. is that like pretty much, yeah. Like if the crowd is starting to get hyped, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like you you got to have the right music for that crowd to get uh, higher. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so. We learned that at a young age, yeah. sitting in a room in, in, in church and sitting around great musicians yeah, uh, like my parents, you know, they, they pretty much taught us all that. Church is more of a, um, and a happening. Black churches have this different kind of uh, uh, yeah, it's, energy to them. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I guess the way I can say it is that grateful to be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and and if you praise your God for being grateful for being alive, how do you praise Him? Right. You know what I mean? Do you praise Him just sitting there? Hey, thank yeah. you so much. If somebody saved your life, what you gonna do? Yeah. Jump up and down for joy, right? So that's the way they do it in black church, and that's why they do it like that. Um, A lot of great musicians come from oh, the church, like gospel, and, and it's a ton of them. A ton of them, man. All my most almost, of my favorite. A lot of the great ones. I mean Whitney Houston, the probably the biggest example. Whitney, um, uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, Gladys Knight. You can just go down the line. Yeah, yeah, Marvin yeah. Gaye, and then I'm growing up listening to that type of music too. You know, my dad had my grandfather had this. My dad had a family group mm-hmm. back in the day. I had an uncle Lynn, and uh, his name is he was Uncle Lynn. He passed away a few years back. Um, but he was an amazing singer. My dad was the bass player in the band, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a couple of other guys that uh, from around the neighborhood that played instruments in Chicago too. Mm-hmm. So listening to that type of music and being around those type of people, being around those type of people made me see that it was more than music than just hitting something. Okay. As a drummer, right? Because if I can hit this table. Is yeah. that musical? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But when I hit the table, if some music is playing, then it becomes music. So this is what they taught me at a young age. Like, hey, it's not how you hit the table. Yeah. It's when you hit the table. Uh, <laughs> and those cats taught me so much, so much Yeah. with that because they were just great musicians. They, yeah. They're badass. So there's no there so there's the technical aspect of it and then there's the like inner kind the of heart like the, the heart and soul of it, right? Right. You know, it's like anything. What do you enjoy doing? I enjoy a lot of things. I I enjoy I I, I enjoy <laughs> being alive, I guess. <laughs> I enjoy being a dad. Right. Like that's really uh, one of the things that I'm like completely indulged in and like I right. really love it. 
so you have a technical side of being a dad and then a passionate side of right, being a dad. Right, right. You know, I got two boys myself. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, it's like a technical side. You got to learn yeah. how to conversate with them. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to teach them. And then you got to learn how to love them. Mm-hmm. And you got to teach them how to love too. Yeah. The same thing goes with music. You got to learn how to play it. And then you got to learn how to love it. Mm-hmm. And then the music got to love you back too. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. because when you in a low part of your life and you ain't got nothing else, you know, you have to be passionate about something. I could go to the drum set right now if I'm having a bad day and be like, you know what? I'm just letting it go. It, it, after a while, I had to start learning how to expand myself. Mm-hmm. So when you love something so much, you, you learn how to, you learn it, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm, if I, if I'm in, lo- in love with my girlfriend, I learn her. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to love, you got to learn it, right? Yeah, or you, yeah. If you don't know her, how the hell are you in love with her? Yeah. You know, so I, drum set was my first girlfriend. Yeah. That's the way I considered it to be. Uh-huh. You know, so I had to, after a while, I got to a stagnant point where I couldn't go any further. Okay. And I'll tell you, this is the reason why. is because I didn't do the technical side of it. Okay. So without the technical side, you get stagnant and okay. then it gets old. so same thing with your relationship if you guys don't know how to how to conversate and you just yelling at each other all the time yeah yelling at each other all the time uh, yeah that shit gets old (laughs) real quick like you know what you know what i don't love you no more (laughs) 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 you know what forget you (laughs) you know what i I see you later so you were taught that that heart and soul first then i was taught heart and soul first and then you went and learned the technical side. Okay. So uh, as I, I taught myself the technical side myself, okay. actually, well, taught myself how to read music, start picking up a lot of books, like, hey, okay, I need to get better. So now I need to learn the counting system. Okay. Because I didn't used to count when I was playing all the time. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. So as I learned the counting system, I started opening up. It's, it just opened up a vast variety of different styles of music. Okay. Um. It just took me to a whole different level as a musician. Like if I, I ain't gotta just hear this change now. I know how to count this change. Okay. Okay. So if I'm talking about a change, like okay, if the music does like a vamp part, like boom, now I'm able to count that out instead oh. of just remember it. Okay. 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 Um, the great thing about learning how to hear first. And this is what I call it, hearing music first. The great thing about it is that you know the emotional side of music, right? When you, I have a lot of, I, I teach 50 students a week. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> I you got. Teach at, uh, Raymond, Raymond? Mm-hmm. Raymond's Raymond, music, yeah. Raymond's music, huh? So I got 50 students a week and, you know, I teach them how to read music. The only problem is with those kids is that I have some of them that can't play without seeing it. Okay, they okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, see yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They can't if they can't read it, then they can't play. They I don't know what to do if I don't. I I, I see it on the paper, but now I take the paper away. They were like, oh. And that's it. They that's freeze? it. They freeze. Oh. <clears throat> you know, so you actually have to learn how to love the music first, or just I would say learn how to love the music first before you learn it. Now I'm teaching them. Okay, let's listen to this song. Yeah. To see what we can pick and choose out of it. You would say that you're glad that you were taught first the the heart and soul of it, and then the technical part. There you go. Uh, of course, that's the best way to learn to me. The reason why is because if you can hear music, 
you can play it. So if, if I gotta hear the bass player over here doing something, I gotta hear the guitar player over there doing something. I gotta hear the uh, uh, horn section, or I gotta hear the piano player, yeah. and they all doing something different. Yeah, where do I fit in? You know what I mean? Where do I fit in? So now I gotta hear. You can be overwhelming too. Right, you can be overwhelming as a easily, uh, right? Easily. Is that one drummer. of the instruments that can easily be on top of everything? Right. <laughs> yeah, and definitely. So, if, so you gotta be there, but. Almost like you're not there, right? You got to be there. People got to feel your pulse, but they can't. You can't just be so loud yeah. <laughs> that they that the ears are aching. You know. Yeah. So yeah, people got to feel the pulse. You know. Um, and you got to be able to play quiet. You know. You know Rob Ankum, right? Yeah, Rob. Yeah, man. I tell you this, Rob Ankum taught me so much about uh. Playing. Rob Ankum is like this local blues musician mm -hmm. that's. Uh, place a lot here in Des Moines. Um, yeah, we actually hired him um, at La at the Copacabana to do the blues night. You remember the Copa? Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I was there with him. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I was there yeah, with yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 man, of course you know Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so man, um, so what I did, is, Rob, he taught me how to play different rooms. Matter of fact, the Copacabana mm -hmm. was a room that I was learning how to play when okay. I was there. Oh, okay. You know, because that room is so live. You know what I mean? You don't need a mic in that room. Yeah, no, <laughs> You don't need no, no mics at all. Yeah, you don't yeah. really need big speakers. You know, the quieter you play the room, the better it sounds. Yeah. Because it's so live, you know. So we were learning. I was sitting there learning how to play through Rob. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching me because at that time I was just starting to get out into the scene up here. Okay. Um, and I was just banging on the snare all the time. My snare is the loudest thing in the room. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Killing people's ears, you know. <laughs> people going deaf after was, I'm done. Was Rob like looking back at you like that? <laughs> right. Rob like, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just You can play softer than that, right? <laughs> You know, so I actually had to start learning how to play softer and still have the same feel that I would have if I was playing louder as I'm playing louder and groove just the same uh -huh. if I'm playing louder, you know. So it was it, he taught me a lot about that. Can you cuss on him? All the time. He taught me a lot about that shit, man. It was pretty <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> Fuck <yeah. laughs> so, So even though you're a instructor or teacher you are still a student always man always I, you know i'm i go to kansas city uh every once in a while for a drum lesson it's a guy up there that i go and grab a lesson really? from. oh yeah kansas man. city's got pretty nice jazz scene right and it's it's something that i don't have that they have so yeah. why not go and grab it yeah. you know so i drive up there get grab that lesson and come back here <laughs> what's your favorite music to play Oh man, funk music, gospel, funk? fucking gospel. That's funk. like uh, Stevie Wonder, right? That's well, the drum, drum started out. Drum started out, and then the guitar comes in. Uh -huh. So it'll be funk? uh huh, at the beginning of the song. So that's that's like a funk soul, right? You know what I mean? So that's it, funky. It's funky as hell, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you talking about Stevie Wonder? Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah, man. That's yeah. just—he's just the pinnacle. Yeah. You know him and uh, it's a few other cats, man. Like they just the man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and then you got some women out there too, man. Just ridiculous. Uh, one of my favorite artists. She's more of a soul R and B uh, 
artist, but Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. You know, she still sounds the same to this day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you go leaving mm-hmm. on the midnight train to Georgia. She sang that song today, like she sang it forty yeah, years ago, that's crazy. fifty years ago, and her voice hasn't changed. And after touring that long, your voice just gives out on you. Right. You know, so. That's well, her pretty, to be able to do that. It's like, that's pretty amazing. That's yeah. pretty fucking impressive. Yeah, I'm yeah, telling yeah. you, George Clinton. Where does he fall on your uh, funky? Oh. Uh, George Clinton is more of, to me, is that new style of funk. He's the '70s uh, with Parliament Funkadelic, and then going into the '80s. That was more of that new style of funk music, okay. you know. You had the James Brown right before then, right? Right, right. So right. you had James Brown, had Tower Power, but you had a number of people, man, that was playing funk music at that time. James Brown is the king; he started it, yeah. <laughs> you know. He started. I think he started hip hop. He, right. I think so too, man. There's this. Uh, so I was watching this documentary. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called, I think it's Dynamite or something, but. It shows how his music, he, there's a record that wasn't very popular. It's more like a musical. Mm-hmm. And there's that beat uh, that is pretty much that uh, that hip-hop foundation. Like, And that's when they started up. And that's how, that's how, and that's why, you know, rappers and hip-hop artists, you know, the ones that know, mm-hmm. uh, they're like James Brown. He kind of uh, influenced a lot of different um styles of music he was mm-hmm. funky as hell too i love jazz music i love uh I lo- you know i don't have i guess i don't have like a a genre of music that i love the most okay i guess um because i can go listen to a rock song and it's just as soulful as this r&b song over here you know so you just like love the entire experience of music and the whole what comes with it right music is everything you know it's it's Actually, it's a communication piece. Music, you know, no matter where it's at. We had some drinks at the at the yacht club, and uh, and we talked about that whole thing where Kanye a few years ago said, like, I can see music. I don't know if you remember, but uh, we talked a little bit about that, about how much true there is to that, how literal it is. Um, and what, so, what do you? Do, where are you at with that now? Man, I know that was like a couple of years ago, maybe. I can give you my experience, man. It's been a few times where I've been playing so tough, so tough, and it just got into the music so tough, where I start seeing colors. Uh huh. You know, so if that's what he's talking about, I don't know, but I started actually seeing different colors. Okay. Coming out of the instruments because I just got to this place inside of a song where I'm just. At a different level. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And emotionally, I got to a different level. Yeah. And that might be why I started saying, I don't know. Is that, is that what people call like a religious experience? Pretty much. Like a religious experience. Um, but that, it, it, has, it happened to me a few times. Okay. Where I'm just in it so much where I can just start seeing colors, mm-hmm. you know, coming off so of the So there's some... There's something to be said about that then. So he's not just crazy saying, oh, I can, like, there's. Not, right. There's he ain't just crazy about it. It's, 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 you hear a lot of musicians, man, a lot of good ones, especially say, oh, yeah, I've seen some colors. Yeah. Like <laughs> playing music. Like you you get there to that point. I believe it. Yeah. It's, dude, it, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to yeah. me, yeah. It, you know, it happened to me. It's like um, an artist can see the picture before he paints it. Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. You seeing the picture? Why are you painting it, man? You, and this is to put something together to like uh, go on a venture or a project or even a business or whatever. Like people can already see it in their mind, right? Like you visualize it, like it's sort of the same thing, but sort of not, right? Sure. Because with that situation, you you pretty much in your brain mm-hmm. thinking about what's going on. With our situation, our ears is hearing something that's pleasing. You yeah. know what I mean? So now it's uh I had a girl come up to me. Matter of fact, it was after that show I saw colors. She okay. she came up, I came in my pants. I was like, Oh <laughs> 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 She said, I came in my pants. I'm like, Oh, okay. Oh what am I supposed to say to this? No, seriously. She she actually came up to me and said, yeah. I came uh-huh. in my pants yeah. when you were playing yeah. drums. But it was, it was like okay, it, I was getting so passionate with yeah. what I was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people out there in front can feel that. Yeah. You putting a vibe out through that whole room, and then when you start seeing those colors, you're like, man, what's going on here? <laughs> so you're like in a trance, almost. In a trance, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you pushing something out, and when you start, I think those colors is what's happening. Yeah. The colors is starting to spread around. Yeah, the room because like you, we like radio waves. I mean, this isn't a crazy kind of talk. I mean, we're talking about, like, that's how we listen to radio. Radio waves are invisible. We can't see them. We can't see them. But they get to, that's how you get to listen to your radio whenever you turn it on. That's what it is. So, yeah, man, that's crazy. Man, Music is powerful, man. It is a very powerful thing, man. It can change your, it changes your mood. You can be in a a bad mood. You put yourself in a good mood. You want to feel like. Uh, you're alone and you want to feel more alone, you can do that too. Like, you can put some really, like, depressing music and, like, it can even drag you deeper down into a, whatever, you know, loneliness or depression that you're it in. It could. There's this magical thing about it. It is. You know, I was listening to uh, John Coltrane uh, on my way here, actually. Love Supreme album. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> That amazing. album just—it's just amazing, man. You know the stuff that he did on that album. You know it was—I would say that that album was new for its time, but that's gonna last for years. Like who is it? Uh, John Coltrane, jazz, jazz, yeah, okay. jazz music. You don't know John Coltrane? I love jazz. I love listening to jazz. I'm not that knowledgeable about jazz, but you know, blues started it all. Gospel music actually started it all. Okay. If you really pay attention to it, if we look at the modern day styles of music, gospel music started blues. Uh-huh. Blues started jazz. Uh-huh. Jazz started all this other type of shit that yeah, you yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, Fus- yeah. It, because it started breaking out into like, you know, okay, now you got fusion music. Now you got funk music. And yeah. Now R&B. you got R and B, you know, gospel started breaking out like that too yeah. with uh, Sam Cooke, for instance. You know, uh, Sam Cooke, man. That oh, I love Sam Cooke. Man, <laughs> he was a man, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. That dude a was man. a man. Have you ever heard his gospel album? No. He had a gospel album, man. Before, probably one of the best albums I ever heard him sing on. Really? Was his gospel? And he album. started. Right, the gospel too. He right, started That's in church. Started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, that gospel album, man, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he got this one song called "Jesus Gave Me Water." <laughs> oh, he just goes through it. it. Probably kills it better than everything else I heard him sing mm-hmm. in R and B because he grew up in gospel too. You know. Yeah. But you know, that R and B style came from 
the gospel style. Yeah. That soul music came from gospel music, you know. Yeah. Most of the cats that singing in it started in the church. <laughs> yeah. I mean and I mean, let's just kinda go back four hundred years, you know, you know, that's mm. the chance of the slaves. That's kinda where, you know, most of it started. Then you st then the churches started. And there's the origination of pretty much anything that we know as as far as musically. Well, rock and roll came from blues. Did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like uh who was on, uh, uh the no not the Beatles but uh Rolling Stones. Yeah. They came over here and grabbed Chuck Berry. And they're and they're like unapologetic, like very respectful, uh unapologetic. There's they say it, they're like, We came to the source. Mm -hmm. Like we came and we were paying attention to Chuck Berry. Then there's the other guy called Money Something Waters. Wolf. Holland Wolf, Holland Money Wolf. Waters. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. And they uh, brought Holland Wolf to I think it was an England mm -hmm. kind of T V show, but you know, Holland Wolf by then was like older. Yeah. Uh, and nobody knew, you know, who he was, but they were like, we, this is a dream for us to bring him on. And, you know, Holland Wolf saying, um, but they knew, like they, they knew know. exactly what it was. man. And that's why I respect the Rolling Stones more than Elvis. Cause like Elvis <laughs> took the song from <laughs> what she called Big Mama or something. Oh yeah. Like that, yeah. uh, um, you ain't nothing but a hound, hound dog. dog, yeah. And there was never a uh, at least I have never seen anything where Elvis is like, Yeah, this song is not mine, this is her song, you know. Well, bring on to the stage Elvis never wrote a song, he never wrote one song. Any song that he sang was actually a cover, yeah, <laughs> of somebody else's tune, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it ain't no way in hell that dude should be king of rock and exactly. roll <laughs> exactly you know you got chuck berry and little richard before him and his that's right. moves were chuck berries and right yeah and so not, nothing about elvis is yeah is original it's like not he's just a fabricated performer like uh, that had some charisma and somehow you know yeah he was the great white hope yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. It, let's let's just say it like it yeah, is you let's know say it like it is. elvis was the great white hope you know and it's okay you know and they need the record companies needed something to sell to white people. Right. So at that time, you had a lot of issues in. He's the epitome of whitewashing. Right, whitewashing history, man. Yeah. Is that's exactly right? You know, I got kids that believe that Elvis started rock and roll. Yeah. You know, like nowhere near. Not even. <laughs> not even. The not even. Of it. Right. <laughs> He's on the opposite end of. Okay, it's like literally like saying like Justin Bieber was a pioneer for something. Maybe mm -hmm. actually Justin Bieber probably has is more of a pioneer than Elvis. Yeah. Justin Bieber was a YouTube like he's one of the first ones that came out of YouTube. But then I told you a lot because they needed the record companies needed something to sell. Yeah. You know, and they needed something to sell that they can sell to their white counterparts. Right. You know, to the white community so that they can make more money. Yeah. No matter who they stripping of the title. Right. You know, which they had never strip it. I think the culture has changed. I think. Uh, what do you think? No, it ain't changed at all. You don't think so? It ain't changed okay. at all. And I'll tell you why. So you will listen to some of these albums, right? And you will look at the album and you see nothing but black people in the studio playing these albums. Yeah. But then when you look at the stage and they perform in live, nothing but white people on the stage. I guess I guess what I'm saying is, you know, before they thought that uh, that a b black person or African-American was not marketable so they had to put a white face in front of it they still believe that do you think that's still 
Do you think that Jay Z, Beyonce, like, do you think they're making any kind of impact on the on the the? I think they're an exception to the rule. Okay. You know what I mean? I got you. Um. So not just because one person or two. Right. You know, it through that means that it, the the floodgates have opened. Right. That doesn't mean that. Kind of like when people said. Oh, just because Barack Obama became president, I'm supposed to be happy. Like right. It's been, you had 43 before Barack Obama. Right. The way I look at it, man, is like, okay, you got these record companies, record labels, and they got to get their money somehow. Mm-hmm. So what's the best thing to do? Market to their people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce, they're an exception to the rule because they got so big. Mm-hmm. When you look at people of color they for years people already understood these companies understood like okay we got people of color on stage um we probably ain't gonna sell too many albums right because of these people of color yeah, yeah, yeah. and they've been doing that shit for years man and it's still going on to this day and genres like pop music it don't really matter but in genres like blues mm-hmm. funk uh things of that nature r&b mm-hmm. That it, shit matters. Yeah. Are you a fan of Ra- uh, Robin Thicke? Um, I heard that he's got some respect in the in in the R and B world. In the you I know, heard. I would tell you like this. I like uh, that motherfucker can sing. Let's just tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That motherfucker can blow. Yeah. But what I do respect about him is that the same people that he had in the studio mm-hmm. was the same people he traveled with. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? You have people where, oh, yeah, the same people that was in the studio aren't the same people on stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The same people that was in the studio are the same people that he traveled with. Yeah. Frank Sinatra did that with, uh, uh, what's that boy name? Quincy Jones. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Quincy. That's... Quincy Jones. So Frank Sinatra went into the studio with Quincy. Uh-huh. And when they did that album together, he was like, man, I like it so much. So had Count Basie on piano and everything. And so they took all those guys out of that studio and then went to uh, Las Vegas. And in Vegas, what they did at that time was try to uh, keep the black cats in this hotel room, Mm -hmm. in the hotel across town somewhere. Mm -hmm. Horrible-ass hotel. Roaches, Roach Motel, you just call it that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, Frank went to the owner of uh, the venue and said, hey, I won't perform here. Unless you have them rooms over here. Yeah. You know? So, and I, I agree with that. I don't care if you sing in our music. I just want you to appreciate us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't treat me, don't treat me like I'm shit if you sing in my music. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Okay. Let's say it like this. I go to small towns around here in Iowa, right? Uh-huh. And I get to these small towns and I walk in the bar. All these motherfuckers turn around and look at me. Yeah. Yeah. But then you hear Tupac come on the radio. And it's like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they happy about Tupac, but they can't stand to be around me. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? And you feel it, too. You feel that shit, man. There's this, you feel the eyes. I've walked into places where you cannot help but to notice that you're probably the only person that is of that color. For real. You know what (laughs) I mean? And it's like, all right, this is fucking awkward. (laughs) There's no one else here that... Uh, okay. And there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm going to pretend like it's all good. Man, you know, I started going to these small towns. I see another black person. Oh, man, another black person here. 
Black Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, start that, throwing up the fist. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Black that, Power, Black that, Power. I, I was in uh, um, Panora, which is like 40 minutes from here. Mm-hmm. And it was the 4th of July. I know Panora. <laughs> okay, Panora. And uh, um, we went to the parade and, you know, just good old small town Americana kind of parade, which it's great. You know, like I grew up, I, I've been in, in Iowa since 95. There was a guy... Another guy of color on the other side of the street. <laughs> we just like, what's up, man? What up? What up? <laughs> Gave him the head yeah, nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hey, that's what happened most of the time. Give him a fucking head nod. Like, yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> what, up? what up? Just try not to. <laughs> man. Yeah, it's like you know, right? Like, there's this like unspoken man. communication, right? What's up, man? And then you're like, all right, cool. Like, mm-hmm. there's one more person that At least is there's one. If he ain't there. hurt, if he ain't running, I ain't running. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if he runs. If he start running, I need to start running. I need to start running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, seriously, man. That shit, but it's beautiful. You know, you, you go into those small situations and you, you, you know that the only person that's around of your descent is, well, you think it's you. But then all of a sudden you see one walk in, you're like, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It makes you feel so much better, yes, so much more comfortable yeah. because you like you already know these other motherfuckers don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, not even least, like at least they're uh, um, not comfortable with you being yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, just like uneasy you know, about about your presence. That's that's not liking. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that's not exactly, liking. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I don't care if you're uneasy about my presence, you know what I mean. Just from you ain't even talk to me. Yeah. So you just don't like me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If if you talk to me and I then threaten your ass and yeah, I would be uneasy too. <laughs> yeah, but I just I just walked in. <laughs> right, I just walked in. <laughs> you know. So you grew up in the eighties, nineties. I was born in eighty four. Okay. Oh, you born eighty four? I'm mm. older than you. I'm third. I'm, I was born in '81. Oh man, you old motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> man. But so, do you think? And I don't know. This is just a straight question. Like, is there an abandonment of the black community on instruments? Because it, the instruments are the are the key, right? Uh, there's no abandonment. Um, or the lack of access to instrumentals, or is it? You know, the great thing about the church is. Is that it's about music? You right. know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The, the, the black churches, we we love our music in black churches. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's an abandonment at all. I think there's more of uh, when you go to more of the realm of school. Yeah, they. I didn't have uh, classes, music classes in my school when I was going to high school. Yeah. In in Chicago, they took all they took all those programs away. Yeah. You know, but you go up north, they had all the programs. You know, music, everything, marching bands. You know, but they didn't have that shit on the south side of Chicago mm-hmm. when I was growing up. So uh, it was the church that so the actually church is your the, right the epicenter of your education. Yeah, musically, at least. musically, yep. It was it was the epicenter of pretty much everybody that plays music in Chicago. They learned how to play music in church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every young black person they they pretty much learned how to play it in church. Yeah. Is it's really hard to say. Maybe ninety nine percent. You know what I mean? It's like up there. It's yeah. really hard to find one person that didn't learn 
how to play in right. a church. When it, did you move here? When did you move? Here? Uh, I moved here about uh, uh 2007. Okay. All right. So, so I've yeah, been here for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've been here for about 13 years. Okay. What yeah. brought you to uh Des Moines? Well, a company brought me up and a few other things. Okay. Brought me up. Um, so a company brought me up and uh, they went bankrupt. Okay. So I was working for a company called American Energy Savers and they eventually went bankrupt. Okay. So decided and to stay. So you were just kind of being like an eight to five kind of guy. Yeah. So then, what made you just kind of be like, okay, music? I'm just gonna do music. I hated that shit. <laughs> right. I hated that shit with a passion, man. <laughs> so <laughs> as much passion as you man as much passion i have for drums i have i hate going to a fucking job yeah. nine to five yeah yeah you yeah. know what i mean i so it, you know like, what the hell am i doing right what am i doing am i gonna get better on drums because that's my first goal yeah is to get better at my instrument i was very depressed in a few different ways man uh not playing drums or just going to work every day yeah i was really depressed um it was to the point where I, I, I didn't want to kill myself or nothing like that, but I was drinking myself to death. Sure. You know what I mean? I was drinking every fucking day. All, every time I got off work, I'm drinking until I go to sleep. Waking up with hangovers, drinking. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just drinking, drinking. Cycle. Because I wasn't doing what I really love to do. Was there a moment where you were like, did you make a decision? Or, or did you gradually work your way into only being a musician full-time? You know, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a real man right now. All right, let's I'll see. be a real man. I cried one time. All right. Well, I probably cried a few times in my life, but sure. this one time was very important. Yeah. Um. So I was working for Dish Network. Okay. At this time, after the company went bankrupt, I went to go get a job. I was installing dishes and satellites and shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> really? Yeah, man. And um, my um ex-wife now was my girlfriend at that time. Uh huh. And I called her. I was I went out at, on a call at six o'clock in the morning, and I was there until probably twelve o'clock at night in the snow outside. These people didn't care about me. It was just it was one night. I just got fed up with it. I called my uh, ex-wife, and I started crying on the phone to her. I was like, yeah. man, I just can't do this no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just it was just that passionate. It was like I just gotta get the fuck out of here, yeah, 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 or yeah. I'm gonna end up killing myself or doing something that I somebody. right. <laughs> somebody gonna get hurt up in this bitch. There's <laughs> gonna be some furniture right. moving. You know what? Fuck killing myself. Everybody else, go on. No, that's that's the way I was thinking. You know? Yeah. And uh, it, it was it, it it was hurting me so bad to do that. Yeah. And she was like, you know what? Uh, okay. So there was a moment where you were like, no, right. my, my path is different. I can't this. So that's probably the best decision you made then. Man, that it was the day, best that, decision. I... That day, being on the phone, that's probably the pivotal moment for you to be like. Yeah, dude, I would never forget that night. So know? music kind of saved you. It did, man. It saved me in a number of different ways. You know, um, growing up in Chicago wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you so know? you're from the south side of Chicago. The south side of Chicago, you know. Born and raised, man, and it kept me from a lot of stuff, you know. It 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 limited. I'm not saying I ain't do stupid shit, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. did a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> we all did. But the I had like this gauge, like mm -hmm. okay, if I'm doing stupid shit, how far am I gonna go with this stupid shit? Mm -hmm. You know, you have some people that don't have that gauge, and they just continuously do. Mm -hmm. 
more and more fucked up shit. So music was the one that was kind of always... It was pulling me back yeah, from yeah, yeah. getting into a lot of shit that I shouldn't have gotten into in Chicago. It was, you know, every day I would be going to my, uh, my grandmother was the pastor of the church, so I go to the church, and instead of being out there on the corner with the homeboys, mm-hmm. I'm in the church practicing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm in there trying to, trying to get better at my craft. I'm not saying that I didn't hang out with the homeboys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know How much what? pressure is there to be the grandchild of a pastor and the son of the choir director <laughs> like is there pressure for you to uh, just man all that shit spread across the board but we it, it was a lot of us <laughs> i had triplet sisters sure, you know? yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. i'm the youngest of seven so it, 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 it was just across the board man yeah, that, yeah. we had a family group uh, we used to travel around the neighborhood every year sing christmas carols door to door like around the neighborhood my mom would take us and we're staying outside singing christmas carols on the south side of fucking chicago yeah <laughs> you know you hear gunshots and shit but you oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know as soon as something told me to get out of chicago it wasn't just a job sure uh but something told me to get out and 10 days after i left somebody came up and shot up the whole block Jeez. right and they apparently he came from the side of my house the witnesses said he came uh, from the side of my house where I would be sitting on my porch normally sure. at that time. So he was looking to kill some people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he shot, shot up three, a whole block. Uh, shot three other people. Wow. On the block. Shot three other people. And just right after you left. Right after I left, dude. And my, I called my brother. And, See, this is the other side to that story that I was trying not to get into. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I came up here for a company for. American Energy Savers, but I called my brother crying to him and said, man, I feel like I'm about to die. Mm-hmm. And when I called him, uh, he said, okay, Mike, uh, we'll figure out something. We need to get you up here to Iowa. But it was, they shot at my cousin. They shot his girlfriend. Uh-huh. They shot two other friends of mine. Yeah. Uh, one of them still in a wheelchair to this day. Wow. The other one died. Uh, they shot the uh, his my cousin's girlfriend in the lake, and then came back. She told me the story when I talked to her last time I went to Chicago. The guy came back to her with the gun, and tried to pull the trigger, and it clicked. Right there in the it face. Got, it, it got stuck. It didn't just didn't fire. Didn't oh, fire, wow. man. And then he it saw my cousin coming out the building, mm-hmm. so he runs around and starts, and it works while he's shooting at my cousin. Oh wow! <laughs> so. It just wasn't her time, <laughs> you know, and that's the part of the neighborhood that I grew up in now. And the, so these sh- shootings are not like uh, rarity or are they rare? um, or are they often more uh, shootings in Chicago, man? Um, you, you have a lot of shootings. Um, <laughs> like I, w- I was in California for a few years when I was, mm-hmm. you know, younger. So the, the helicopter with the big spotlight wasn't that big of a deal. Right, you know, like da, 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 you know, with right. the spotlight that's hitting. At some point, that became like I grew up in Paramount or Long Beach, Compton. You know, so where you know what it is. It. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it became almost like oh, the, yeah, the helicopters yeah. up there. Yeah, that's uh, so yeah. Pretty were the, much were shootings. It wasn't. Well, we understood what a gunshot was. Yeah. We could tell you the difference between a firecracker, yeah, and a fucking gunshot. You know. My f- girlfriend. The fact that you know that difference, it right. means that it's more than, uh, 
one too many times. One too many times, you know. We went up there. uh, I took my girlfriend, my ex-wife, to meet my folks for the first time. Uh So we're standing outside. I got kids outside and everything. We kicking it, chilling, and we all smiling. And then all of a sudden, pack, 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 pack. So a dude down the street shooting. And she's like, oh, firecrackers. I said, hell no, they shooting, get in the house. No, they shooting in this motherfucker. We need to go. <laughs> so she's standing and smiling and shit. And she put her oh, head down, man. started running into the house. And you see the dude down at the end of the corner just shooting. Yeah. At somebody else. Yeah. We had one time when we were kids coming home from church. And uh, we walking home. We walking home. So my mom is walking home with seven kids. Uh-huh. And they were doing a game initiation this night. Uh-huh. So um, back in the day, the vice lords used to do like a, you got to kill somebody to get in the game. Wow. You know what I mean? Back in the day, the conservative vice lords. Um, so they came, we walking home from church, we right at the alley. And all of a sudden, you see this guy turn right towards my mom with all of us kids. Start shooting at us. My mom gets skint by a bullet. She puts us all on the ground. Whoa. You know, and my uncle, he jumped in the van, ran around the corner, and blocked the dude from shooting the car, shooting everybody else because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> he kept on shooting. So now the van has bullet holes in it. So uh, he's like, hey, <laughs> you ain't finna kill these kids. It's gonna yeah, be me yeah. first, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and then he started shooting back at him. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah. So your uncle, he died. Yeah, he he died. He he died of kidney failure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, he didn't die from shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> from gun violence. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't die from gun violence. He died from kidney failure. But the, yeah. the sad thing is that um, that just as much as like if I sit an immigrant here that migrated, you know, they have this stories that will like be horrible you know like yeah like every single one of them i can sit here and out of nine out of twenty nine out of ten or ten out of ten will tell me the story and it'll be and i feel like that's the same thing with a black person or african-american it's like they'll sit here and they could probably tell me at least one or two or three stories where they heard a gunshot or one of their relatives is dead or they were part of you know victims of in a shooting you know what I mean, and and there's there's a um, that's fucked up. I guess that's it the is. only way that I can put it. Like, it's fucked up, that especially the fact that people can. I can guarantee it that that person can. There's a story that they have in the um, United States of America, mm-hmm. land of the free, home of the brave. You know, mm-hmm. you know, which we all love America. So for all those people that say people don't love America, no, yeah. we love fucking America. Goddamn, yeah, we love. It. We just want everybody to be treated right. Right. Or have the same opportunities, you know. Yeah. It's not about anything else, you know. Um, you can be critical of somebody you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. If I had my actually, that means that you love them more. That means you love them more. more. <laughs> you expect more from them, you know. Uh, so, uh, people being critical of this bullshit, that don't mean that they hate America. No, they're just being critical. Yeah. This is what I love the most. I'm gonna tell you that I'm progressive, right? Okay. You probably know a lot of white progressives, right? Yeah, I yeah I would say so. I surround myself, I, mm-hmm. you know, so I, <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day. This white progressive, they were like, you know what? I'm going to go to Africa and I'm going to give them some money and build up some schools. I said, yeah. well, hold on, hold, hold on. 
What about the south side of Chicago? Yeah, 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 Before yeah. you go over there to Africa, you got motherfuckers here that need your fucking money. Goddamn. Yeah. What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. You're like, hey, yeah. But then they can care less about that because mm-hmm. you look at Chicago. It's a very progressive place, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's one of the most uh, gentrified cities and one of the most uh, 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 segregated cities uh-huh. in the United States. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is a progressive place. And I'm not a Republican. I'm going to tell you the truth. I consider myself to be progressive, but I'm not a fucking Democrat. Yeah. You know, after growing up in Chicago, seeing what they did yeah. and how they do it, I don't I don't fuck with them like that. I, you yeah. know, there ain't no reason to fuck with neither one of these parties like that. You're like independent thinker. You think for yourself. Right. You don't fall for... Uh, I'm not falling uh, for the okie doke again. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, this is an endless kind of conversation, you know, um, uh, because there is a lot of injustice and, and uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, unjust, fucked up, like not just like unjust, like some real fucked up shit that it's not you. If you're human and you don't get upset about this kind of stuff, then something's wrong with you. You know what I mean? You if, have if, a mental if, problem. Right. If you don't, if if you don't get upset about. Uh, the state of the immigration, you know, um, and how their people are getting treated on the border. If you don't get upset about killing of black boys, men, and women, you know, if you Man. if that doesn't upset you, then you just you are just so detached from reality that it doesn't. You know, you're either almost part of the problem because you're not really saying that's wrong. For real. No matter what's like, I know that this doesn't affect me, but. They, there's that no way that's wrong. right. There's no you know way it's right. I mean? Yeah. You know, I think it's almost like it's like a cancer. Right? It is. So like cancer, you don't care about cancer until it, it hits near you, you know, it, until it's one of your relatives, until it's you or somebody that you know that you're like, oh, my God, cancer is bad, you know. But if you don't know anyone that has mm-hmm. cancer, I mean, of course, you've heard of it. But if you don't know anyone that has cancer, if you haven't had cancer yourself or then you any have close, no clue. Then you just like know of it, but you it doesn't move you right. Mm-mm. But the moment that cancer hits in your vicinity, in your circle, that's when people start to become passionate because like fuck cancer, blah blah, blah let's fight cancer, you know. So it's almost like that. It's almost like you know of it and you can hear it and you know it's horrible and you know it's it kills people, but because it hasn't affected your your circle, you're kind yeah. of. Detached from detached the emotion, from it, you know. But there's this, there's this emotional detachment that some people have. That it's almost like if they, I don't know, it are they just so detached that they can't feel anything, or they just don't give a fuck, I, or both. Well, it's a detachment that's been embedded into them for a long time, right? So this is not just this is not normal mm-hmm. for people to think like that, right? Right. So detachment right. from situations when you see violence done to somebody, or if you see somebody in a car accident, what's your, what's your first thing? Right. Let me go and help and them. help these. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let yeah. me get them out the car. Let me see what's wrong. Let's see what's wrong because that's our natural instinct. Right. That's naturally. So you had to breed out that natural instinct. Yeah. You had to breed out that natural instinct to say, you know what? Fuck that. You know, I got mine. You better get yours. When it comes to this detachment that this community has, and this is starting to spread, uh-huh. believe it or not. 
believe it or not, this shit is starting to spread. This detachment is starting to spread. I was looking at uh, World Star Hip Hop, uh-huh. right? And you see people on there getting their heads split wide open. Yeah. And you constantly looking at something like that. What's going to happen? Yeah, you become... Immune to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you get detached from it. So it's like, okay, uh, back in when we were having uh, lynchings and stuff like that, and they would bring their kids out to the fucking lynching. To watch. To watch the shit. Why yeah. did they bring their kids? Yeah. They wanted them to be detached from that shit. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? They wanted them, to, those kids, to sit up there and say, "Oh, this is how we treat that animal." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what we call it. It's yeah. an animal. It's not a human being. It's an animal. So, it, it, it's the reason why it's spreading is because of the internet. Mm-hmm. You can see anything you want to see on the internet nowadays, yeah. right? You can hear whatever the fuck you want to hear on the internet nowadays, mm-hmm. and not have to do research or think about it. Yeah, you just see it and then done with it. Yeah. See it, but that image already did damage to your brain. Yeah, it already got into your brain. You know, if I see somebody getting shot on the internet, yeah, that's that, I don't want my kids to see that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't want them to be detached from that shit. Like that's that's dangerous. That's horrible. But then, where did that come from? That's my whole thing. Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But it didn't come from normal people that's depressed. Right. It came from people that had everything. And they had to make a reason for us to do this. You right. know, that's why you had slavery. If white people back in the day, actually, it's no way they couldn't not know black people weren't human beings, though. Right. So it was. Yeah, it so, was purpose. Like, what you mean is like, it was on purpose. It was, it on, was purpose. on purpose. You know, so it, it wasn't that they were so ignorant what they like to chop that shit up to be. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't think blacks were humans. No, bullshit. We thought they were like monkeys. No, or, no motherfuckers, let's be serious yeah, about this. Yeah. They knew. You know, you knew, motherfucker, and you yeah. didn't want to care about it. Yeah. You you just needed a reason, and you spread it, this lie to the masses, and they accepted the lie. Why did they accept the lie? Because they were willing to accept the lie. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted to make some money, too. And now it's part of the fabric of their mentality. Yep. Now so it's, it's hard for them to get it out. Get it out. Yeah. They yeah. can't. Man, they bred that shit, man. Over years and years, I had I had a friend of mine. He came up to me. Hey, my dad. He, he, he's not racist, but he says some pretty racist stuff. Oh, your right. daddy racist. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? No, that motherfucker racist as hell. <laughs> at a cork, they're like, not to be racist, but my dad wouldn't want to see me with a. Uh, person of color you know and i was like that is racist that's racist that's, ra- <laughs> that, 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 that's nothing but racism uh that is the that is the epitome right. of racism. <laughs> like what the fuck are you talking like, about <laughs> that is the definition right. of racist that you, you just because of the color of the skin you know um and you know but you know what to be honest uh there's this is not i mean racism is worldwide you know yeah. there's there's uh uh, and and it has been implanted for so long that even the the race itself starts to self devalue. You know, there's yeah. a self. Uh, yeah. I'll give you an example that um, my dad um, he would tell me, uh, "Let's improve the race." Like um, you know, it, 
that's what he would tell me. Because mm-hmm. we're darker skin, we're indigenous. I come from an indigenous background. So my my grandmother on my dad's side, she still wears, uh, or she would still wear. She's um, uh, passed away, but the uh, cultural attire. It wasn't Western, right at all. It, it, so, so um, he must have been taught that. So, so my 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 grandmother as an indigenous person was probably um, beat down and looked down upon that she at some point must have told my dad this like we have to improve our race which pretty much means get with the person that's got lighter skin and so my dad said this to me too and I remember this clearly you know um, and so that's the result of this it not only affects the person or the group of people that you're trying to make them superior but at some point, the people that you're oppressing, they also become self, self-haters. Self-hate. They, they self-hate. They're like, no, I'm not. I think in Haiti, there's this, I don't know if it's Haiti or uh, one of the Caribbean uh, islands that there's this trend of like lightning. There's Jamaica. Is that what it is? It's okay. Jamaica. Yeah. So, so um, it's fucked up, right? So it, it goes to show how deep in our fucking psyche it went. You know, yeah. this thing went way deep to a point where I... Uh, I was a teenager, I remember, and I used to like kind of want to be off the sun because I didn't want to get darker. And, like I was very self-conscious of, of, of how dark I would get in the summer. Now I'm like, now I, I, I love telling people like I'm Mayan. Like I come from a, my heritage is from the Mayan people, you mm-hmm. know. And I, my grandmother was indigenous, and where before I wish I had this kind of confidence when I was teenager because I was, I was very my self-esteem was kind of low because. I'm darker, you know, I have darker skin. I don't want to get the sun to hit. I remember like driving and then like moving my arm off of the sun so I wouldn't get darker. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's a very deep, deep rooted instinct. And like even right now, like in Mexico, there's this movie called uh, Roma um, by this Mexican. They won the Oscar um, and uh, it was a role played by this indigenous woman and um, boom. Mexicans, you know, the higher, you know, lighter skin Mexicans are being racist towards her. Like, so, so racism is a whole global freaking mm-hmm. phenomenon that is just, it's so deep in us that um, hopefully one day we're not in that place. The uh, maybe not now, but maybe 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you know, hopefully there's this evolution of you know, moving away from that whole, like, more self-love, you know, like, Man. love yourself, and then you can, like, uh, uh, be like, fuck you. For real. I'm not. I'm I'm not. already there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, I am too. Like, I feel hey. like, you know, this is probably the best mental state that I've been in a long time. But just because you and I think that way doesn't mean that everybody thinks that way. You know what I mean? Our downfall is, is that. We we're not seeing that these people are trying to survive, and let's let's really talk about it. Anytime you got a negative birth rate, what you gonna do next? Yeah. Because in twenty, I'm gonna tell you the truth. In twenty forty, this motherfucker gonna be brown in the motherfucker. <laughs> hey, <laughs> they like hey, we gotta do something to survive. I think that you know what I mean. So and it's not just one side though. Mm-hmm. It's not just the the conservatives. It's the it's the Democrats too. It's yeah. the, it's the progressive model. They thinking about that too. 
There's this statistic that says if you, by 2050, and I'll correct myself if I'm wrong, but by 2050, you're either going to be uh, uh, related to a, uh, or be married to or have a brown mix kid. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no... That's there, it. And, and it's, we're not that far from 2050. There's, uh, uh, I mean, Iowa Public Television. I love watching Iowa Public Television. And there's this... Uh, it's called the new face of America, you know, and this there's this inevitable new look that that the United States has, and it and people are refusing to accept that, and they're pushing back, but it's inevitable anymore. It's happening. It's already in process. It's already in progress. Like, and it wasn't like premeditated, you know, with purpose to like overtake. The race it just kind of naturally been happening and see those kind of conversations that I, that I had with you I don't know if you remember it was at the yacht club those are the ones that I've been having for the last few years and I'm like I need to record this stuff like I need to uh, put it you know thank you man thank you so much yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. It got, he got it got me smiling over here man. Like, <laughs> that's, just, that's appreciated you know, no man. but um, you're you're probably one of the uh, in my eyes musically like sought after here i think uh you play in a lot of different bands um <laughs> so which band tell me like the bands that you play with uh right now i'm with a, a band called decoy uh okay. that's my main gig okay pays the most money and nice people okay really good people uh another band is um tighten up of course um funk music you okay. know with rob ankham okay and uh i gotta get rob ankham to come Oh man, Jesus, that would be pretty fucking good. I think so. You gotta, you gotta give me his number. I, I know I can reach out to him on leave. Facebook. Yeah, I give you his number before we yeah, leave. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I'm in two reggae bands right now. Cool. Bajal, uh, and the Taracas, and uh, Larry D and the Positives. Yeah, love Larry D. I yeah, cool cat man. Oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> I love Larry D. That's my boy, man. That dude, cool cat. Yeah. You just got to calm him down somehow. Yeah. Like, Goddamn, Larry D. Listen, <laughs> motherfucker, listen. <laughs> but that's he, he's passionate about everything he yeah. does. And that's what's so good about him, you know. Um, and when he learns how to control that passion, man, he's going to be fierce, yeah. you know. And when he learns how to use that passion in the right way, direct it in the right places, that motherfucker's going to be so fierce, man. Yeah. Did you get to play at the House of Blues? At the Blues on Grand. I'm sorry. Yeah. Blues on Grand. Yeah, yeah. You get to I, play I, there? Yeah, I played there a number of times. That was the gas lamp, but it that used to be the gas lamp. Yeah. Um, I played there a number. I, back in the day, I was playing with a lady called Tina Halls. And I was playing with her up there a lot. And the first time I played with Rob Ankum was at the uh, Blues on Grand. Blues on Grand. That was kind of sad that it, when it closed. Yeah, man. Kind of you know, a staple. It was a staple, and I don't know why the city didn't come in. Should have totally come in, right? Like, that's when they would have... I remember walking in there once, and actually, it was this white guy. He was going crazy on the on the organ. Mm. I mean, it was amazing. Was it, it was, Sam Salomon? I don't remember, but oh. it was just so good. It was Man. just amazing. So, is there like a... So, Rob, you love playing with Rob, then. Mm -hmm. So, he's got a band? Uh, Yeah. Uh, He's in Tighten Up right now. Tighten uh, up, okay. So they're more like funk. Yeah, we funk music all day. Where man. do you guys play at? 
Yacht Club mainly uh, every third Thursday. So okay. we down there at the Yacht Club every third Thursday, and uh, we playing like old school James Brown. Nice. You know, all great musicians in the band. It's a seven piece band. Nice. Pretty cool. I gotta come check it out. Every third Thursday. What's your favorite bar? Oh man. It depends on what night it is. Bars. Ingersoll area has this like a few of those bars that are just uh they all have their own little different vibe, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got the yacht club, got a different vibe, you got the Waverly, different vibe. The Greenwood. The Greenwood, totally different. Yeah. Jennifer Moon, different. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it don't really I, I like them all. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, if I want something, it depends on what I want to drink, I yeah. guess, okay. or who I want to be around. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to have to do this again, man. Definitely, man. You have to hook me up with Rob Ankum. I will. I'll give you his number uh, before we and, leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, man, I appreciate you, man. This is this has been fun for me, too, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I you have, ever done anything like this? Before? I haven't done a podcast before. I've done a radio station. Okay. All but right. no podcast before, man. So this is pretty cool, man. This, this is pretty fucking nice. All right, I like man. This. All right. I like it. Thank you. Bella. Let's go Thank have you. another beer. All right, so I told you it was going to be pretty good. I think this is I'm, – I'm pretty proud of this one, actually. But, um, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about is pretty heavy, but, you know, that's kind of how the conversation unfolded. Um, and I appreciate that, you know, Mike uh, – was you know trust me enough to like open up yeah about, no, you know that's what i talk about when i'm fucking wasted <laughs> i talk a, a lot about that and yeah. uh i want to be able to be like fully open you know like whatever wh- whatever it is like let's just fucking put it out there yeah you know? yeah and there's no uh, negative connotation to it we just you know that's a lot of that what we talked about is uh, extremely accurate, you know, if not, you know, fully accurate, but some of the stuff like, so on PBS, uh, the, the, uh, there's, uh, Maria Hinojosa is her name. Um, uh, she does a program called America by the numbers. I mean, literally, if you just go Google America by the numbers on PBS, the first episode breaks down all these statistics about, um, you know, how African-American, Asian and Latinos, how is uh the the demographics are changing and you know they're projecting that by 2043 it's going to be uh you know the majority so um anyways th- that's kind of what i was talking about uh um you know if the minority uh if the new minority uh it's going to be white then as long as it's not in this in the traditional sense uh where you know minorities were marginalized and left out or disenfranchised then you know no minority has anything to worry about you know it's just that minorities now and in the past have been marginalized left out and disenfranchised um so but that was the only thing that i wanted to kind of throw out there uh if anybody wants to uh google that or um or if you want to fucking argue with us (laughs) <laughs> go for it man no but um <laughs> but you know uh I, I guess we've never asked this but you know if anybody wants to give us feedback or questions or topics that you want us to talk to people about uh or people that um that we should talk about you know that can come and you know uh, have open discussions um the more we do this uh the more open um 
I've become, you know, I feel like this is kind of becoming therapeutic even for me. Um, but uh, I'm really enjoying this, man. So um, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Um, and we'll see everybody soon. Yeah. We don't see them, right? Like we literally yeah, don't see Yeah, we them. don't see you. Um. <laughs> Do you, anything else to add? I got nothing. All right. Well, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. Share it. Follow us on SoundCloud. 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 What? <laughs> SoundCloud. 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 Share it. Tell people about it. And uh, all right. We'll see everybody soon.